Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The worst thing to happen for God's people then was for things to be going well. And sometimes that's how it is for us. When you're pressed, things aren't going well, you need a miracle, you need God to show up. Sometimes that's the most faithful version of you and the Lord when you need something from God. How do we get that to carry over to when and we're comfortable, we're blessed, things are well. How do we live with that same intense, passionate obedience when things are good that we live with when things are challenged? Most of us can attest to the mighty presence of God in our lives when challenges come our way. What about when things seem to be going well? In today's teaching, Pastor Bill will encourage listeners to have the same devotion to God, regardless of circumstances. The Lord wants to show up for you in hard times, but He also wants to empower and sustain you when things are not so tough. Don't let the Lord merely be one who rescues you from danger. Lean into His power every day. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 12 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Verse 6 now, it says, Then Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did, which he did to you and to your father. So um, here Samuel is getting ready to rehearse to them what God has done for them. Um, Again, he's reminding them. This is this is if I could break it down. This is essentially what he's going to do to the people. He's going to say, look, God has been so good to you guys. And it's you guys after all of that decided you didn't want him. He's just kind of putting it in their face one more time as I'm getting ready to leave you with this king. uh, I want you all to know that y'all did this after y'all did this after God has been so good to you. And so he's 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 going to remind them. Now, I'm going to say this. Sometimes is it wrong to put something in somebody's face? Is it wrong to say, hey, let me show you. Look at look at what look at what you're doing. Um, I used to think hey, you shouldn't tell people I told you so. But I've actually found in scripture where people say, I told you, I told you not to do that. Like it's a I'm telling you this time so you don't continue the pattern of not not listening to the Lord. And so I think we want to be careful how. But Samuel is in effect. He's putting it in their face. Yeah, he said, look. Y'all did this. God has been faithful. God has been good. God delivered. God is God's history with y'all is good. And still y'all decided y'all want this joker right here where you got him. Um, He doesn't say it in such harsh terms, but listen to how he puts it to them. He's going to rehearse to them God's faithfulness, um, what God has done for them. And so he already mentioned in verse six. It was the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and brought their fathers up from the land of Egypt. So remember that they were they were slaves and they cried out for deliverance. And God raised up Moses and Aaron and delivered them from Egypt. Now look at verse eight. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord, their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. So we see two aspects of God's, you know, providence, God's care for his people, his deliverance and his discipline. 
When you guys were in Egypt in bondage and cried out, I delivered you. I heard your cry and I sent the deliverer. I sent Moses and Aaron to deliver you. I took care of you. Then notice where things went wrong. This is so important and we can read over really, really fast. It says in verse nine in the beginning, and when they forgot the Lord, their God, write that, underline that, highlight that in your Bibles. It was when they forgot the Lord that they begin to sin and they begin to rebel and they fell into idolatry. And God said, mm, now in discipline, I'm going to raise up sister. I'm going to raise up an, an adversary. They're going to take you guys captive. And, you know, you guys need to be broken. Um, and so that you guys will come back to the recognition that you need me. Understand that God's discipline is it's also his love and his kids. Now, we don't enjoy discipline, but discipline is God. God says in, in Hebrews that he only disciplines those that he loves, right? Um, and so nobody likes discipline. He says that in Hebrews that no discipline is pleasant at the present time, but afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. So discipline bears fruit if we learn from it, if we, if we, if we take advantage and we can be trained by it, amen. So God can deliver, God could also discipline. Here's the thing, we determine what we get from God. So if you being spanked by the Lord, that's you. That's because that's you out there forgetting and rebelling. When do people tend to forget? Let me. This is so important. And you see this in the book of Judges. Judges goes in the cycle. The cycle of the book of Judges is the people were they were in bondage because they had disobeyed previously. They finally get sick of being in bondage and they cry out to God. God has mercy on them, listens to their prayers, raises up a judge to deliver them, sends the judge, the judge delivers. That judge, usually about his lifetime, the people go back to serving the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yay, we serve the Lord. That judge dies. The people forget the Lord. They get comfortable again. They start looking around and they end up in idolatry again. God gets mad, lets the enemies of God, you know, take, take advantage of the people. And then however long they can live under bondage again, they stay until they cry out. And that's the whole cycle of the book of Judges. And I realize that that's some people's life. Some people's experience with God is just like that. They do well with the Lord for a little while. Then they get bored and they go do some dumb stuff and they get in trouble. And then now, now they're far from God and God is distant from them and they get disciplined. They finally get broken enough and they make their way back and it's all fresh. And it's all brand new with the Lord again. And that lasts for a while. Then they forget the Lord. How do we make sure we don't forget the Lord? Right. Because that's that's important. He says here, they forgot me. What do we do? What do we need to do to make sure that we don't forget the Lord, particularly when things are going well? It seems like the cycle in Judges, the worst thing to happen for God's people then was for things to be going well. And sometimes that's how it is for us. When you're pressed, things aren't going well. You need a miracle. You need God to show up. Sometimes that's the most faithful version of you in the Lord when you need something from God. How do we get that to carry over to when man, we're comfortable? We're blessed. Things are well. How do we live with that same intense, passionate obedience when things are good that we live with when things are challenged? A couple things. Um, one, I believe it's why God wants us to have communion. He says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And we're to remember the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus and what it, what it means for us. And again, as I stay in remembrance of him and of what he did, I need that. So I don't forget. So I don't, so I don't somehow forget and think that I'm doing something, that I'm out here on my own. No, God, you did this. I'm, I'm a result of your grace and your mercy. I don't deserve everything I have has been afforded to me through your grace and your mercy. It'll keep us humble. We need to stay in the word. 
you guys, every day. Why we want to read the word and pray. Here's what happens as you read the word. You're going to be washed. Sometimes you're going to be encouraged. Sometimes you're going to be challenged. Sometimes you're going to be stirred. Sometimes you're going to be convicted. But as you stay in the word, it'll also keep you grounded. I realize I don't know it all. I realize how much I need him. I've found this, that when people are near to God, there's a humility uh, and, and a holiness, right? When I'm near to God, anytime in scripture where someone was, they, they knew they were in his presence, immediately it says they would fall on the floor. They would, they would be aware of their own failures. Oh, I'm a man of unclean lips, Isaiah said. As soon as they realized they were in God's presence, there was a, a humility and an awareness of their, their lack, their weakness. I find when people are far from God, that that's when you're critical and cynical and complaining and, and all. When you're far from God, you don't see anything wrong with you. It's everybody else. And that's why it's so important that we stay near to the Lord, that there be an intimacy. When you find somebody critical of everybody, everybody else, one thing you know right away, they're not close to the Lord. Right. And, and when you f- start to feel critical of everybody else, you know right away, not close to the Lord. You get close to the Lord and there's, an, there's a humility that comes. Man, I'm not perfect. Lord, I'm going to be a little more gracious to people around me because the closer I get to you, the more aware I am of how imperfect I am. And there's a lot more grace to extend to the imperfect people around me. Amen. And so moving on here, it says verse 10. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, we have we have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the bows and asterisks. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemies and we will serve you. And this is what they cried out to the Lord. They said, God, we, you know, we, we've sinned, you know, deliver us and we, and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Zerubbabel, um, Gideon and, and Bedan and Jephthah and Samuel and, he, and, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side. And you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. So Samuel's reminded, he says, man, look at what God did. You guys cried out when this happened and when that happened. And he's like, God sent Gideon and this one and Jephthah. I mean, God, just, God had y'all back. And when, you know, when this last situation happened, the Ammonites came against you. You guys said, no, but we want a king to reign over us. He says, when the Lord, your God was your king. These are sad verses, but Samuel's just letting them know because it's getting ready to be over with. God is no longer your king. This guy, you got your guy right here. This is your guy now. And he's letting them know y'all did this. Now, how would this relate to us? And I I would put it like this to you guys. When we've made decisions apart from God, because people do this all the time, and those decisions begin to fail you. And then with Chris, the the, the same person that didn't pray about the decision before they made it, didn't want to hear what God had to say then, when it's not working out, they're like, man, God, why are you doing this to me? God, where are you? And it's like, God's like, oh, 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 well, you know, where was where was your prayer life then? You know, now you're talking to me. Um, And so be careful about doing your thing and then looking at God like, how come you're not blessing me? How come this isn't going well? How come this doesn't look like the promise of God? And God's like, you should have waited on me. You should have chucked your plans and let me have my way with your life. And so that's essentially here. So Samuel's letting them know, hey, you guys chose it. You guys are getting it. God had God. When y'all had God, this is how it went. He showed up. He delivered. He never failed. He never got beat. You know, now you guys have picked somebody else. So remember that. Verse 13. Now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. Can I just count pause right there? 
whom you have chosen, you have desired. Let me say this to any of my single friends, any single people watching, hear this. This is their choice and they're being left with this is who you chose. This is what you desired. Instead of letting God choose and God move upon us. Now, I'm not saying as single people, we don't have a choice in it, right? Uh, so, you know, we, we get to choose and everything else. I mean this in particular for those who will choose uh, in disobedience to the known word of God. So when, when you're making choices and you're like, I know that's not exactly what God says. I know we're not completely equally yoked. I mean, he kind of loves God. I mean, she went to church that one time, you know, she's spiritual, you know, whatever. Like we start making concessions. Remember that, right? Because God would say, that's, that's not, I said equally yoked. They don't even know God. They, know, they can't even pray a prayer, right? They, they don't even know a verse. They can't, I mean, like, you know, effectively a non-belief, don't, don't move in that direction and then let it fall apart. And you got beautiful but zero spiritual or you got handsome, you know, and a good job, but belong to the devil. So, you, you, you know, he got side people and everything else. Like, don't do that and then look back to the Lord and say, God, let the Lord choose for you. God reserves his best for those that allow him to do the choosing. Here's the cool thing about the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 4, that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart. I heard Pastor David when he shared, he shared that a little bit on that. And, and um, it, it literally means that as we delight in God, God gives us desires that are in keeping with what he wants to give us. So many times you find a person that makes God their delight and they find that my desires have all changed. When I wasn't walking with the Lord, I didn't desire to be married, right? I had made commitments about, I thought anybody get married in their 20s was stupid, this is me before Christ. I thought, why would you do that? Why would, why, would you, why would you make a commitment to just one woman? There's all these women out here. That was my mindset before Christ at 19, right? So don't, don't judge me too hard. <laughs> then I get saved and realize, okay, well, then all that has to stop. And I'm like, well, wow, I need a wife. <laughs> I need a wife. I, I want a wife now. Mine changed. It was like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I got married at 21. I got saved at 19, met her at 19, and talked her into marriage during 20, and it was a year and a half from meeting her to marrying her. And, uh, you know, but that was something God did. That was not my delight. I didn't have a, I thought that was a bad idea uh, two months before, you know, I got saved. Then I got born again, and God was like, nah, that's, that's the only idea. You know, you go, you get a wife, brother, that's what it's going to be. So God will give us, you know, his, he'll put in our hearts what he wants. And but here's the thing. We got to let go. Now, what if we hold on to what we had? No, this is I'm holding on to what I had already said I wanted. Well, now I'm not I don't have an open hand for what God's showing me. Now I'm giving you new desires, son. And so we got to let go of our plans apart from God to receive, you know, God's direction, new direction for our lives. And so uh, for these guys, it was a matter of again, they had the best case scenario. They had God as king over them. And somehow they got it in their heads that, no, we want what we saw what someone else had and we want that. And God's going to let them have it. Um, and really, he's going to let them have it. You know, so uh, they're going to get everything they want. But my encouragement to you guys, again, is that you guys would seek the Lord, wait on the Lord and allow the Lord to work in your hearts, you know, and, and let the Lord be the one to guide you and to direct you. Because here's the cool thing with God. He loves you. God's not mean. Some people think God is mean. They're like, God, if I let you choose, they're going to be ugly and holy. You know, they're going to be they're going to be spiritual, but like it's going to be bad. You know, they're going to have one leg and two teeth, you know, but, you know, God is not like that. You know, God loves you and cares about you. He knows how we're made up. 
he knows better than you do what you need. As I look back now and, and I'm like, man, there's so much like our whole lives have been, I feel like we were intended. Like God was like, man, she got the gifts over here that she don't even know she got them right now, but she got these gifts. You got these gifts. I'm bringing you guys together. Y'all going to do a work for me together. And we've been, it's been amazing serving God with her. I can't imagine if I, if, I mean, I didn't know all that when I said that one, Lord, I, I like her, you know, that that's who I'm most, you know, and I prayed, you know, God made it clear. I had no idea all that was coming. We didn't know when we were in, when we got engaged that I was going to be a pastor. I was supposed to just be a deacon in the church. So she was okay with that. And then it was, then I, then I said I was called to preach. She was like, I didn't sign up for that, you know, um, but here we go. And so, um, again, I just encourage you guys that the Lord would lead you, guide you, and you would trust him. Um, and sometimes trusting the Lord means waiting. And waiting is hard. Nobody likes to wait. And I, I, that I can't explain. I can't explain why God makes us wait. God makes me wait for lots of things. It's, that's, that's the, that seems like the, the, the way of the Lord is like, I'm like, I want you to wait, son. I, I don't like to wait. Anything I've ever asked God to do, I feel like, man, I've got nothing fast. Everything has been like, you're going to wait. You know, I'm like, God, I want to marry her. She's not even ready to be my girlfriend yet. You know, I went to Bible college. I wrote on my application in 1999. I wanted to do a two year pastoral program. I wanted to go through the program so I could plant a Calvary Chapel in Inglewood. And because I couldn't find one over here. Almost uh, one semester before I finished the program, the church where I'm at says, hey, come on staff here and, you know, do youth ministry with us. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm supposed to go to Inglewood. And I go, I, I pray about it. And the Lord's like, no, you're going to be here a little longer. Ten years. And then finally, ten years. And then God says, a little over ten years. Then I finally get to go. That was not my plan. I didn't plan to be there. But can I tell you, those are some of the best ten years. Those are a fruitful ten years. There was so much God let me do and so much he did in me. There were things that I hadn't even thought of my kids and what God was doing in them. There was that was God's will. But it was not my plan, but it was better than my plan as I look back on it. You know, so I'm just encouraging you guys that we, we have to learn from this. Right. These things are here for our learning. So let's learn from them. Let's don't let's don't present God our our list of what we want instead of we, we want to come to God with an empty sheet saying, God, you tell me what you want from me. Don't come to God with your list of wants. Come to God with an empty sheet and say, God, you can even come with your stuff. Say, God, this is what I think I want. But here, you show me what you want from me. His plans for you will be better than your plans for you every time. Amen. All right. So verse 13, it says, now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. And now he gives them a conditional promise and a warning. Verses 14 and 15. Conditional promise. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice, and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the, the Lord your God. Here's the warning. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the, the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. So the conditional promise is God said, look, if you fear the Lord, you keep serving him and obey his voice and don't rebel. Four things, I said them real fast, but they're very important. So fear the Lord, serve him, obey his voice, don't rebel. Do those things. And God says, look, I'll be with you and I'll be with those who reign over you and just keep following me. However, if you don't obey my voice and you rebel against my commandments, then my hand is going to be against you as it was against your fathers. Here's the thing. 
They had the option of God's hand being with them or God's hand being against them. There's nothing more powerful than the hand of God. And so if God's hand is with you, who can who can whoop you? Who can defeat you? Who can hinder you? Nobody. But if God's hand is against you, who can save you? Nobody. So if there's one person that you need to be with you, it's the Lord. Sometimes we get that wrong. Sometimes we're looking for help from everybody else. We're looking for agreement from everybody else. We're looking for, you know, for people to agree and see it our way everywhere else. And God is like, the one person you need to be on your team is me. And it's not really that we need God on our team. We need to be on his side. Right. Uh, I don't need God. God's not joining my army. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to join his and I want to get behind him. He's the leader. And so if we'll follow him and obey him, God says, man, I, I'm, I'm a good dad. I got you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to cover you. But if you rebel and go your own way, um, then it's not going to go so well. And so as this was the case for them, uh, again, this is a conditional promise and a warning. Um, some of the, these same things are true for us. You know, there are things that are true. But if we walk, if we obey, if we stay close, um, there are certain promises that we can we can count on from the Lord. If we go our own way, if we rebel against the Lord like them, God will discipline those whom he loves. You know, God will let you run out there. And one of the things that I've seen from just being in the position of pastoring and counseling, there have been things that God's let me see through other people's mistakes to bring about the fear of the Lord in my own life. And so I've seen men fall in ministry. I've seen people jack up their families. I've seen people just mess up like for no good reason. I mean, God had blessed you and everything was great and you just forfeited it for nothing for that. I've seen the aftermath. I've seen the hurt people and the tears and the brokenness. And it's like, why would you do that when you got I mean, right now you got the Lord. You got you got the best case scenario. Just stay with him. Don't ever turn back. Don't ever go in a new direction like there would never be a good reason to turn back from walking with the Lord. Right. There was never a good reason for them to do it. And so we have to think about that. What made them? What made them do this? Right. God had been faithful. God had delivered them. God had provided supernaturally. God had been great to them. What was it? You know what it was? Looking around at everybody else. They're like, but they got a king. They can. We got they got a king. They got a man over them. I want what they got. That's what happened. And that can happen in our culture. You guys easy. They start looking around at what everybody else got. I want what they got. Watching TV shows and watching, you know, looking at Instagram. And I want, I want that. I want one of them. We, you don't know what's behind all them photographs out there. You don't want all that. You know, it's, it's, some, it's, some, jail, it's some jail time and some, some abuse cases and some all kind of stuff. You don't want that. You want God. You want what you got. You want to stay with the Lord. But looking around at everybody else, we got to be careful about lusting after what other people have or what it appears that they have or how well it seems to be going for them. There are some people that think if they just had money, that would fix everything. Some people are convinced, man, if I just if I win the lottery my whole life, that, that's the only thing I need is just more money. You know, what's interesting is everybody that got more money. Uh, there's a whole show where they look at all the people that win the lottery. And, do you know, it's, it's sad. It seems like it ruins more lives than it blesses. Uh, almost all the marriages don't make it. Uh, some of them get killed and took for their money. Some get people taking advantage. Some of them like, I can't, can't take it anymore. Ah, people begging me for them. Some people didn't manage it well. And so after you had it and you lost it, they're depressed over it and just want to die. It's like, it's rarely where you see where it's like, wow, they're blessed. They're, I mean, things are better for them. It just, you know, more money means you can do whatever was in your heart in a bigger way. 
Uh, and that's what ends up happening. Some people get, they hit the lottery and then they alcohol and drug problem go to another level and they ruin their whole life. Just case after case, but the world is still convinced. Then look at your stars. They all in rehab, right? Why are they so unhappy? We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. We're currently in the book of 1 Samuel. Many of the childhood Bible stories stem from this book. David is a main character, and he came from humble means. He was a simple shepherd boy, but God had great things in mind for him. He was a musician also, and this served him well as he was able to help King Saul. But more than these occupational type of skills, David had a heart for God like no other. God refers to David as a man after his own heart. What a compliment coming from the very creator of everything. This doesn't mean that David was perfect. As we all know, he wasn't. But his heart was continually coming back to God, seeking help, asking for refuge, and coming back with a repentant heart. This is the type of heart God wants from each of us. Do you find yourself looking up to David and his character? If you'd like to learn more about David in 1 Samuel, feel free to listen to more teachings from this series on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this eventful book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today. And Pastor Bill will be back with more in the coming edition of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep your head in the Word and your heart close to God. Then, make sure to come back for another insightful edition of A Transforming Word.